Welcome to the Wretched Hive Podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. Moss Eisler Spaceport. What are you talking about? You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is ridiculous. We must be cautious. Actually, we're just a bunch of guys talking about Star Wars and other stuff. I'm looking forward to having some real talk with some real folks. That's good news. I like the sound of that. Welcome to another episode of the Wretched Hive Podcast. Our weekly review of The Mandalorian Season 2. My name is Steve Baldwin and joining me this morning is Dave Potter. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Steve. So we have Season 2, Episode 2 of The Mandalorian this week. What do you think of this episode, Dave? Uh, it was. I did not think it was as good as last week's episode, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, my my bullet point review was that it it felt like a video game. I felt like I was playing a video game. Like there was always just one more task or challenge in front of me to get completed. Yeah, I get that. For me, it's becoming. I'm afraid the show is becoming the monster of the week. Like, what is the challenge of the week that we've got to overcome? And this week, we've got. Uh, do we have to throw up the spoiler alert, you think? Or do people know? Uh, uh, oh, name? please, please, God. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Just I, because... I know you want to. I know you want to. And I don't, I don't deny that you want to. But I don't think we have to. I think if people are listening to a podcast about The Mandalorian, like they should know that they should have listened to it or they're going to get spoiled. All right. That's fair. If you're – listen, I won't throw up the spoiler alert, but – we will tell you there are major spoilers coming. We're going to talk about details of the show. If you have not seen season two, episode two, do not listen to this podcast if you don't want to be spoiled. Yes, you you are not responsible for anything that happens if you continue to listen after this point. We are not responsible for that. You are 100% responsible for that. Done. Okay. We're not. Done. All right. So uh, this episode is titled The Passenger, originally dropped Friday, November 6th. Isn't that a by, bad McGregor movie, or am I thinking of something else? Yeah, I think there is a. Uh, is it is it Ewan McGregor, or is it? Um, no, that's Train Spotting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, there is a movie called The Passenger. There is a movie I, called The Passenger. I think it was one of those cookie cutter, like early two thousands quasi action movies. Right. Yeah. Totally. Maybe we'll review the the film The Passenger next on a on a Wretched Hive proper. Just to do a compare and contrast. I'm sure Scott would be happy to do that. Probably not. Uh, This episode written by Jon Favreau, directed by Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed, new to the series, uh, new to The Mandalorian, although not new to working with Disney, having directed Ant-Man. And Ant-Man and the Wasp. And the forthcoming uh, untitled Ant-Man 3 that has not been announced, but everybody still talks about. Go figure. And uh, he also uh, has worked a lot in television. Um, I think no, excuse me. He he directed Bring It On, the movie Bring yes. It On. Yes, 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 yes. God, yes. The mm. best. Are damn you a fan of Bring It On? Oh, the best damn cheerleading movie you will ever find. How many cheerleading movies have you seen? <laughs> it does not matter, and we're not right. going to discuss that on today's podcast. But fair, seriously, fair if you can still find it, the the DVD version of that movie that has the Peyton Reed commentary track, where he just sounds like he is hopped up on speed and doesn't <laughs> breathe for his whole commentary track, it's amazing. All right, we have to check that out. Um, 
This week's episode, episode two, The Passenger, I, I, I started off with the monster of the week. I, I will backpedal a little bit and say this episode makes up for the lack of Baby Yoda cuteness in episode one of season two. There's a lot of Baby Yoda in this episode, Dave. There is, and I will say that I did not like Baby Yoda in this episode. I was very upset and frustrated that he kept eating the like little baby frog people. I mean, it's it's perfectly logical. Like props to the story people for like, oh, there's a frog person and they've got little like frog eggs with them. Why, of course, Baby Yoda would eat it. Like that yeah. that makes perfect sense. But I was like, I, I don't like the character in this moment. Well, like, uh, have some uh, self-control. It's murder, and we're turning it into a punchline. <laughs> well, initially, when he, you know, uh, walked up to the the um, vessel that was carrying the eggs, and he he looked back to see if he was being watched, and he put his hand up to it, and the eggs sort of were drawn to him. Um, I thought there was going to be like a cool force connection moment with the little baby egg embryos and baby Yoda, and maybe he was connecting with them through the force, and then he was eating them. <laughs> It was kind of cruel. It was weird and cruel in a way because the frog mama, whatever her, I, I just will call her frog lady or uh, I think I have it in my notes somewhere what uh, her species is. But um, she, she was, you know, the whole a big sort of MacGuffin in this in this episode is we're taking this frog lady and her eggs to get them fertilized with her husband and have this family reunited. And baby Yoda's eating the eggs. What is it? I'm, I'm with you. It's sort of felt murderous. Yeah, it did, it did not feel right. And by the way, if you can, watch this episode with subtitles on. Oh. Because okay. you just you start to get text, text messages on the screen like, frog creature speaks frog. <laughs> That's great. Frog creature. So is that what they call her on the, on the, um, yeah. on the what, what's it called? Uh, on the subtitles, yeah. Yes. Subtitles, they, yeah. subtitles people don't get scripts. They literally are just given a tape of the episode and you transcribe what you're hearing and, you know, sometimes throw in what you're seeing to help out. So, yes, that person is just making it up as they go along. So they were like, yep, frog person talks frog. Next, please. <laughs> All right. So the uh, this the episode opens with uh, the old rope buried in the desert sand trick, uh, tripping up um, uh, Mando and Baby Yoda as they're speeding through. The Tatooine Desert, which I thought was a really cool sequence. Um, lots of great digital effects. And again, it's really hard to separate what is digital and what is practical on this show. Yeah, no, they do a great job. That trick was right out of The Great Escape. Like, yeah. I, I I haven't watched that movie in a while, but I'm pretty sure if we synced it up, there would be some some shots and some little actions that line up perfectly. Yeah. Uh, Steve McQueen... Uh, at one point in the movie, rigs up the the old wire across the road trick so he can steal a Nazi uh, motorcycle and sidecar. You know that happened to me when I was in high school. Um, you stole I, a Nazi motorcycle and sidecar? <laughs> I never heard this story before. <laughs> no, I was uh, so my buddies and I used to play tag on our bicycles, like our BMX size bicycles, and I was riding in my high school hallway on a Saturday. We'd go to the high school and ride. Um, this is before high schools were locked down with chain link fences around them. You could just ride onto your school campus. And I was riding down a hallway, looking over my shoulder, pedaling as hard as I could. And I didn't see a chain had been hung across an opening. And I hit this thing. I had to be going 15 or 20 miles an hour, um, square onto the handlebars. And I flipped over. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Did your buddies all laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh? 
Of course, they all stood over me and just pointed and laughed. It was it was awful. <laughs> um, so back to Mandalorian. Um, uh, Baby Yoda tumbling to the ground. Were you ever afraid of you know watching Baby Yoda tumble uh, after the you know the old buried rope in the sand trick? Um, I was like, ah, Baby Yoda. Well, yeah, of course you're yeah. always concerned about Baby Yoda. I mean, he's literally just strapped on the side of that speeder bike, you know, opposite Boba Fett's helmet just to, like, keep the weight distribution equal or something. And exactly. It's not It's not safe. Like, Mando, invest in a child seat. <laughs> invest in a child seat. <laughs> Does that bike speeder have have child seat straps? I mean, it's, I, I don't know, but the, like, when, when he built the contraption to, like, carry the debris and all of his supplies and shit across the Tatooine desert. Excuse me, I said shit. I shouldn't do that. Uh, yeah, we That was a more safe carrying environment for Baby Yoda than just like, eh, you know, I'll tie him here in a bag with a single rope to the side of a thing going 100 miles an hour. <laughs> and there's a great spoof at the end of it, though, with uh, uh, the child, Baby Yoda's would-be uh, kidnapper, uh, demanding Mando's jetpack. Jet in return for uh, the child's safety, they do the exchange. Uh, the kidnapper walks away with the jetpack, and then Mandalorian, of course, can control the jetpack from his wrist and so sends him flying off. I, I love that sequence. I know, and I was a little torn on that because I was like, okay, we all know the Mandalorian is not just going to give that guy something and let him walk away with, with it. But right. by the same token, if a Mandalorian always keeps their word, like if you're doing an exchange in a hostage situation does the code apply there like i was a little i was a little torn and i don't disagree with what the mandalorian did either on a moral level or from a character level but i i did kind of have this little dialogue in my head like oh how do you balance that out how do you balance that out in the the character you know i want to talk about that a little bit um a little bit more because it seems like this our, our din din jaren the our mandalorian the titular character of the show uh, you know, he he believes in the Mandalorian creed. He is full-fledged Mandalorian, but sometimes he needs to be nudged into doing the right thing. Um, you know, later in the show, the Frog Lady says, "You know, I've heard all these stories about how great Mandalorians are. I guess it was just you know stories that were told to children to get him off his off his ass, to get him uh, moving to try and 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 save their little um, group from being you know frozen to death." Um, there's another scene in, um, in season one where, you know, he's trying to learn to ride those, what are those creatures, those horse-like creatures that they ride? Um, and, and, um, oh, I'm so terrible with names, uh, as, as we always have been on the show, but his, you're, you're um, looking at me for help with names. I know we're Scott when this you is, need him. Yeah. This is what we have Scott Ivansky for his, his mentor from season one says, you know, your Mandalorians rode the great mythosaur. You can't ride this, this, you know, this, this creature. So he sorts, he needs to be prodded into doing the right thing. I, I think some of that, like I, I get what you're saying and I don't disagree with it, but remember he, we have to remember he is not truly a Mandalorian, right? He is, he's a foundling. He was adopted into the culture. He's not a native born Mandalorian. So he always has this chip on his shoulder of needing to prove himself. Like whatever he does, like Pete Mitchell and Maverick in, in top gun, <laughs> it will never be good enough. What he right. does will never be good enough. So he's always, always susceptible to that goat of, Oh really? Aren't you supposed to do this? And he's like, I'll show you that. And I'll show you one better. Right. 
So maybe that's what makes the character a little more interesting than just this sort of robotic Mandalorian that, you know, just plows through, you know, like a, a you know, a mythosaur in a china shop and just always wins the day. He's he's you, a you couldn't even pick a mythosaur out of a book if I put it in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Don't just drop that in there like that. <laughs> All right. So there's this running gag of the child eating the eggs as a snack. Um, comes up uh, routinely throughout this episode and actually is this final punchline in the final sequence, the last scene of the show, is the child's, you know, snacking on one more egg. Um, this bothered you a little bit, it sounds like. Well, it's just a little insensitive, you know? Like, it's the end of this, this you know, the, their line. And he's just turning it into, like, you know, finger food. <laughs> Well, he's constantly hungry. He's a little growing Yoda species, whatever species. Do we 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 don't know the name of the species yet, right? That's never been divulged. It's it's in one of the source books, so it may or may not be canon. Uh-huh. I forget what it actually is. It was okay. not terribly memorable to me, but no, we've not ever heard it mentioned on film anywhere. Got it. Okay. Um, so on the way to finding. Mandalorian additional Mandalorians he's uh Dinger and is roped into transporting the egg the the not the egg lady the frog lady with her eggs and on the way he is uh their ship is intercepted by a couple of x-wings which of course seeing those original trilogy x-wings was is always a thrill um I got spoiled a little bit I saw a still clip of the x-wing uh next to you know like looking out the side window of the razor crest. So I knew it was coming, but still it was cool to see, uh, the two X wings, Dave Filoni, uh, coming back and, and, uh, reinstalling his character as trapper wolf. Uh, of course, uh, the wolf, um, uh, and Filoni are, are forever linked. Uh, he loves wolves. Um, if you didn't know, he's, he's a huge fan of, of wolves, wolves, uh, but the other, I had to look up who was the other X-Wing pilot, and it's Paul Sun Hyun Lee, who is an actor from the CBC television show Kim's Convenience. Apparently, he's a he's big in Canada, Dave. Well, who isn't big in Canada, Steve? <laughs> Everybody loves Canadians. You can get a Canadian right. support, okay. a Canadian support, you know, Canadian delivered to you if you need to in these trying times here in America. Hey, all Canadians are the Canadians are some of the kindest people I've ever met. I love Canadians. I do too. They're wonderful. Uh, they end someday, up hunting- someday I'll be able to visit their country again. <laughs> someday. Uh, good news is we don't have to move there. Yes. A good thing. <laughs> Completely non-political show this Saturday morning, November seventh, uh, almost ten a.m. Um, they end up the, the crew ends up hiding in a cave on this sort of ice icy part of this planet or an ice planet it, it's not so much that they end up hiding in it is that they 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 fall into it really i think would be the polite way to say it that's a, that's a good point the, due to some uh, some some great piloting by dingerin they they end up being able to uh, escape the chase of the x-wings and they they crash land really on this on this frozen planet and then crash through, you know, this sort of icy terrain into this cave. 
um, where through a set of circumstances, the frog lady walks, uh, you know, walks away as the ship is being repaired and she finds like a, it looks like a sort of a, a hot water bath, almost like a little uh, jacuzzi on this planet for her and her eggs. Uh, but they find the monster of the week, Dave, the spider monster. What was what, what your take on the spiders, on the spider uh, monster? I, I agree with Lisa Baldwin. That was right out of Harry Potter. Like, yeah. just unapologetically right out of Harry Potter. But my bigger problem was, why does Frog Lady leave the wreckage of the Razor's Crest, which, granted, was not warm, but was warmer than being outside, wanders around outside to try to find a warmer place to be like that that is the part that just makes no not a lick of damn sense to me in the whole episode and just felt very contrived yeah was she looking for someplace warmer or was she just trying to was she fed up with mando was she trying to you know keep her eggs from baby yoda who knows but she walked away and you're right it felt a little bit contrived um and led them to having to battle this this creature now I agree. Totally pulled from Harry Potter. In fact, when when Big Mama Boss Spider comes out of the back of the the cave, um, it felt uh, that animation actually looks a lot like the Harry Potter moment when you first see the the spider coming out of the back of the cave. So yeah, I, I agree with your assessment that Lisa Baldwin was right. Uh, she <laughs> she raises her arms in in uh, in uh, celebration. a celebration. Oh. I, I, I would say she has a point. She has a point. Yes, she does have a point. Um, but I will say the 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 ch- being chased as the, as Mando and Frog Lady are being chased back to Razor Crest by the the little um, little spiders. He's uh, Mando is shooting at them with his blaster, um, and then they they get chased into the Razor Crest, and the spiders are in the ship with them. That was a little bit scary. I I would actually warn, uh, you know, if you've got little kids watching this show, um, that's a a scary moment. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I was a little concerned for how they were going to get out of it, and how they did get out of it was a little uh, dose ex machina, but, you know, Uh we'll get to that in a second. Right. So the the door where, you know, they, they, um, all of the characters run into what I think is the cockpit. And Mando's shutting the door, and he's trying to, you know, he uses his flamethrower finally to to push uh, and to scorch all of the the little spiders that come in. One had escaped and was sort of scratching on the top of Yoda's of Baby Yoda's head, and uh, was shot by the Frog Lady. So that was that was cool. Um, but then, you know, the Razor Crest is trying to take off, and the Big Mama Boss Spider comes and and. Um, jumps on top of it that was a great moment too there's some great animation and great scary moments with the monster of the week so i have to hand it to the the creators of the show they're you know it it looks great to a point that i think you made last week on from episode one the show is is brilliantly animated and just looks great oh yeah it's it, it for any criticism that you have about story or acting or is it a good or bad episode? Like I have not seen one yet that is not just a visually beautiful, you know, 30, 40 minutes to watch on your TV. Right. To finally escape, uh, they get some help from the X wings that they had originally ditched Filoni and uh, trapper wolf and his partner come and save the day. 
and essentially let the Mandalorian off the hook with some previous uh, warrants that had been out for him. Yeah, which was a throwback to the first season, of course, and the, the prison break episode. I just hope that they update their records so that the next time he encounters the New Republic, that it's uh, that it's okay. And I'd actually like forgotten about that. Like, why is he being so cagey about turning on his transponder? It's like, oh yeah, that's why. Yeah. It was kind of funny to listen to him just be like, oh wait, nope, here it is, it's fine. Like that was a very Han Solo esque moment. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you stole my last point. Well done. Uh, what was the what was your uh, connection with Ex Machina? Uh, just that uh, you're in the fight, there's no way you can get out of it, and that's the moment, the plot point moment, where something happens that's completely out of the character's control to uh, ah. to resolve the situation, which yeah. is that that's the exact moment that the other, that the good guys show up and rescue him. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yep. Also want to just call out, um, I liked the connection from uh, the first episode with cooking the dragon meat. That they were cooking the meat uh, in the beginning of the show with the uh, the engine of uh, of one of the uh, the ships they had there. Uh, Pelimoto prefers medium rare. That was clear. <laughs> and uh, also, the other thing I wanted to call it with Pelimoto is: Did you catch when she's playing cards uh, in the beginning with this sort of the I don't know the the bug like creature? She calls out Zorak. Zorak. No. Um, and that, that's a reference to, and I had to look this up, but it's a reference to the, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon Space Ghost. There's a, there's a character named the Zorak in Space Ghost, so I was curious as to whether uh, that, that was an, it has to be an intentional call out, I have to say. I have to think. I can't imagine that Zorak is a name that they accidentally stumbled upon. That seems <laughs> unlikely to me. But it was it was just it's so cool with those early animated shows being called out in, you know, a modern day Star Wars, the highest tech we have available uh, animated, a large part of which is animated digitally now, um, hearkening back to Space Ghost, which I watched as a kid, which was which caused me to look it up. So, I mean, this is one of the reasons that I love having Dave Filoni and John Favreau as the leads of this show. Dave, they are our age. They just select they just decided when we were going to school for nutrition or uh business uh they went to school for film. And we are we're all the same age. We all continued our love for Star Wars fandom and they theirs has just continued into actually making Star Wars now. It's, yes, yes. And it's they're, really they're cool. Cool. They are clearly actually doing something with their life, whereas I am not. Yes, that is <laughs> not true. What a, what a what a lovely point for a Saturday morning. Now, not my point at all. That was absolutely <laughs> not the point I was trying to make. Although, I guess I inadvertently did call you out. <laughs> Look, you can make an argument that both of us have been have a very comfortable lives we all most of yes. our problems are first world problems the fact that we can spend any time on a saturday morning talking about a television show that just played yesterday and we can take time to talk about it suggests that we're you know we have we're doing okay we are doing okay 
We're certainly doing better than Greg, Scott, and Nico, who couldn't even join us this morning. Boom! Uh, Dave, are you happy with how season two is going so far? Overall, yes. This episode will not make my favorites list, but it was not a bad episode. It's not the the A-team episode, if you will. I agree. If I had to give this a rating, like A, B, C, D, F rating... I, I would, it would be like a C plus B minus area for me, for, for yeah, the man. That's, that's about how I feel too. I was thinking like somewhere between two and three stars. All right. This has been fun. Thanks, Dave, for joining me. Have a great couple of. We'll have a great week, and we'll see you next Saturday. And until then, may the force be with us all.